What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the From Downtown Podcast. I'm your host, Donnie Joseph, and today we have an episode that has one of my friends from Syracuse University, Stephen Gomez, met him probably one of the first few days of being here on campus playing basketball at the Barnes Center. He's a great player, shoot the lights out, all, all the good stuff that a basketball player should be able to do, he can do. And uh, I found out that he was a Newhouse kid. And I was like, all right, you know yourself about basketball, you know yourself in terms of reporting, all that stuff. So why not have you on my podcast? And we got him on, and we talked about Jalen Brunson, where he ranks up in terms of NBA guards. If he's in that top, tippy top tier of point guards. Remember, he had that 49-point game not too long ago against Cleveland, head-to-head against Donovan Mitchell. That was a great showcase of who Jalen Brunson is at this current point in time. An all-star, although he didn't make it. An all-star, all-NBA caliber guard. Got to take that into consideration. We talked about the Los Angeles Lakers. Talked about a team that apparently they want to face in the Sacramento Kings. I'm not sure why anybody would want to play Sacramento Kings. We talked about that. We talked about some top players, including Antetokounmpo, and who's really in that stratosphere in terms of the dominance their impact on both sides of the floor, overall best player in the NBA. And a few other topics popped up. So, yeah, I'm, I was super happy to have Steven on. It was a great episode, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. This is in post-recording of that uh, episode. I found out that my microphone was actually not readily available. It, w- it was plugged in, but the settings weren't uh the, the usual settings weren't in, so uh, it was captured off my laptop microphone, which sucks. And I'm just upset I didn't really realize that until just now. So, you know, you roll with the punches. Um, the audio might be a little spotty. I recommend turning it up a little bit to hear my friend Steven, because obviously I had my laptop right in front of me. You know, picking up my voice a lot. Steven's not so much. I apologize. We're going to have to get that figured out for next time. But, yeah, well, th- without further ado, I could talk. Without further ado, cue that music. guys so today we are here on april 1st very sunny day although it's gonna start raining a little bit soon here at syracuse university which sucks but today my friend Stephen gomez met him playing basketball here he's a tough hooper and uh found out that he was a broadcast student new house so had to bring him on the show he knows his basketball Stephen, how you doing man i'm good donnie how are you you know i'm doing all right school year's almost over which i'm happy about the right. the grind is the grind is almost done but um Today we are here talking about some NBA basketball. Let's get right into it. Um, Jalen Brunson, Knicks guard, got that contract. People were saying that you know they overpaid for Jalen Brunson, but at this point, people are saying he was underpaid. Um, last game he played was against the Cavaliers. He dropped forty-eight points, nine assists. That probably one of the best pure point guard performances that I've seen all season long. You talk about other guards like Steph and Dame, yes, they're guards, but they're more of like combo guards, two guards that are great shooters. Jalen Brunson, one of the best point guards in the game right now. I definitely agree with that. And for the people that said he was um, overpaid, I, I never really went with that statement because um, the year before in Dallas when they were in the playoffs, Everyone always, you know, gave Dallas a hard time because they said everything was through Luka. But when you watch Jalen Brunson play and the way he was altering in Dallas, it just translated to the Knicks because the Knicks were in need of a guard desperately. Because Emmanuel quickly, he's good, but he's not someone you could really rely on. And his touch is very inconsistent. So Jalen Brunson came in and just changed their whole dynamic right away. And then to mention that Cleveland game, he's going head-to-head with Donovan Mitchell, who's yeah. statistically one of the best shooting guards, if not the best, to play in the NBA right now. And he's going head to head with them, and they took the dub with a large portion of 
going to the Bengals out right now. Yeah, so like you were saying before, the Knicks, they really haven't had a point guard. It's been a rotating carousel yeah. for the last decade plus. I mean, they never really had a true point guard. I, I remember thinking like 2017, 2018, I think Alfred Payton was a point guard. Mm-hmm. No disrespect to Alfred Payton. He's, he's a bucket, but, you know, he's not that guy that you want as a starter for any real playoff team, and that's exactly why the Knicks weren't in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. One of the many reasons the Knicks just weren't good, but now they're a legitimate team, number four in the East, if I'm not mistaken, maybe four or five, I'll double-check, but Jalen Brunson, over his last 33 games, so this is going to January 1st of this year, he's averaged 28.6 assists and four rebounds. I don't think the Knicks have had a guard this good you you have to go back a, a long time, and not even just the Knicks. Just seeing a guard like this come from a situation in Dallas where he was the number two guy behind Luka Doncic, and obviously so, Luka, one of the best players in the game right now. But with Jalen Brunson doing what he's been doing, it brings up the question, where does he rank in terms of the best guards in the NBA? What do you think, Steven? In my honest opinion, it's it's tough because – you see such a drastic improvement last year, him averaging 16 points after going up from 12. Now he's averaging 24, so it's his biggest jump and increase. And I think it's primarily because he's a first option on the team. So he has a chance on a team like the Knicks to go out and just try to provide whatever he can. Um, but you also have a lot of other guys who stepped up in the NBA in their role too. Looking at young point guards like Shea, you can't overlook Shea. You have the older guys like Steph, Dame, um, no, people still sleep on Westbrook. My boy just dropped 33 last game. That was a big game. A big game by Westbrook. On that, you know, but it's, it's rough. You also have people like De'Aaron Fox, who you have him lighting the beam every night. They just mm-hmm. clinched their first um, playoffs at the end of their 16-year drought. So, like, to rank him, is he top 10? Yes. You think so? Yeah, that's not a question. That's not a question right now. He's top 10. Top 10? Top 10. Can you, can you name me 10, 10 point guards? What's your top 10 right now? Top 10 right now? Just point guards, and just there's a distinction guards. between because like a guy like Donovan Mitchell, he's six one, six two, but he's a shooting guard. Okay, this is a controversial topic. I don't consider Luka Doncic, Doncic a point guard. You consider him a small forward. I consider him a shooting guard. Shooting guard. Okay, well, I'll give you my top ten guards. Ah oh, man, all right. So Steph Curry. Okay, that's number one. Is this an order? Or is this just no? Just okay, not okay. not an order. That that'll that'll take me a while. So Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, Kyrie Irving, De'Aaron Fox. Okay. Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, that's tough. That's a good. That's a good pick right there. He's in there for sure. Jalen Brunson's in there. Mm-hmm. Let me think. I, I think CP3 still makes the cut. Okay. He might. If I'm ranking, he might be towards the back, but I, I still trust CP3. Um, James Harden. I consider him point guard. Yeah, Some people consider him. He's now. he's a point guard for now. sure. Um. How much is that? We have eight right now. Yeah, seven or eight. Uh, I'm blanking on a few others right now, but those are like the top guards in the league right now. Okay, so let me let me just throw some names at you. Trey Young, Trey Young, I forgot Trey Young. I Darius know. Garland, there you go, that's ten. Okay, I love Darius. Let me Garland. throw a name at you real quick. Okay, John Morant. Mm, I don't know how. See, I told you I was forgetting names. John Morant. John Morant. Jamal Murray. That's one thing about the West. But I, I'm taking Jalen Brunson over Jamal Murray right now. Okay, I agree with you. Um, top five, top ten. Kyrie Irving is in my top ten. Yep. Kyrie Irving is definitely in my top ten. Um, Drew Holiday's been impressive lately. He has. I, he's been very and statistically, and the, the especially the Bucks being the number one seed, and it's not only because of Giannis this year. Drew Holiday's been putting up numbers. He has. And he had that fifty point game not too long ago. Even even. Before that, uh, constantly putting up 20. His defense has been impeccable this year. I, it always is. The yeah. offense is picking up now, but his deep, he's just a lockdown defender. Like, no one, no one point guard wants to go and match up with Drew. Um, I don't know. It's tough. It's very tough. But I think I think Jalen Brunson does round out at anyone's top 10, at least for this season. Yeah, he just, has to. Just with the impact that he's had for the Knicks. So. And you look at the stats, right? I mentioned 28, 6, and 4 since January 1st. Steph? Since January 2nd, that's when he played. Yeah. Uh, 29.3, 6 assists, 6 rebounds. Great. He's, we all understand mm-hmm. who Steph Curry is. Damian Lillard on a tear, 35 points, yeah. 8 assists, and 5 rebounds since January 1st. The thing that sort of differentiates Jalen Brunson, at least from Dame, obviously the points are going towards Damian Lillard. But 
and this could be something you have to talk about with the team as a whole, but the Knicks have been winning mm-hmm. compared to the the Trailblazers, who they've been struggling to get consistent winning at this yeah, current point three in time. Games. Three games. I think the Trailblazers are ruining his career right now. Um, they just shut him down for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. They, play, they play in hopes to disappear. Free Dame, for real. He, need, he needs to get off that team. I, I always wanted him to get off. I feel like he would look great on the Heat playing alongside hmm. Jimmy Butler. We need a free Dame. Free Dame. He has to go somewhere else at this point because he's, he's so good. He, he literally, what, 34 years old at this yeah. point, coming off the, the injury that he had with the hip and all that stuff, averaging 35 for the entire year. So it's been a four-month stretch, exactly. exactly four months to this date, where he's averaging 35 and 8. As a miniature guard, he's only about 6'1". I left him at 6'3". He's really 6'1". So mm-hmm. he's just doing amazing things. And it's really going to be a shame if he can't really get a chance to contend for yeah. a championship. He had that one 2018 run where they got to the conference finals, but they got swept by the Kevin Durant-led Golden State Warriors. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Big Warriors. Dub Nation. You're on top. We'll talk about the Warriors in a little bit. But, you know, Jalen Brunson, he's a guy that uh, – a really smart player. You've yeah. seen it from Villanova. Mm-hmm. He's a certified winner at that level. He's going to lead this Knicks team – for the foreseeable future. I'm not sure if they could win a playoff series. You know, they're going to face Cleveland if the season ended today. I think where the seating is, like, lying right now, they're going to eventually face them unless something crazy happens. But even so, I don't think there's enough time. About five games left. the Nets are right behind them, but I don't see the Nets taking their, their, fifth, their fifth spot. Yeah, so it'll be Cleveland and New York. And we just saw this matchup, right? Donovan yeah. Mitchell versus Jalen Brunson. And to to talk on that, I don't. I Jalen Brunson so impressive last night, especially just competing with Donovan Mitchell. I feel like Donovan Mitchell is more likely to do what he did in the seven game series when comparing that to Brunson keeping up, like dropping forty every night. And it's like that's that's rough. That's, well, that's because you've seen Donovan Mitchell do yeah, it before. We've seen him do it. Like he can do it. Uh, Jalen Brunson, you know, he starts to prove his consistency in that aspect. I will say, um, the Knicks have been rolling though. They have a bunch of guys yeah. coming up. Like we a, a season ago, after the Knicks' last playoff run, when Julius Randle um, was leading the show, and they lost to the Hawks. Um, after that year, Julius Randle kind of took a drop off, and people were questioning if if it was just a lucky year. Uh-huh. And this year, he stepped it up as well. So absolutely, I feel like that fourth, fifth Cleveland Cavaliers Nick that could go either way. I see a seven game series there, and a large part of that is just the impact that all these new guys, including Jalen Brunson, have had on the Knicks organization. You know, I think that's a seven-game series. Yeah. I, I honestly do. And I love me some Donovan Mitchell. I love Darius Garland, too. I don't know how I forgot about him, the <laughs> top 10 point guard list, because I really post him all the time on my story on Instagram. He is such a tough guard, such a shifty coverage for anybody to have to guard in a seven-game series. And now he can be the second guy. Last year, he was the first guy alongside, you know, Mobley and Allen. Yeah. But now it's really Donovan Mitchell show and Garland, an amazing spot-up shooter. Not a great, mm-hmm. an amazing spot-up shooter. If you compare the, the Knicks roster to the, at least, you know, their the, the bench depth, they're both deep on the bench. But if you compare yeah. that starting five, they match up pretty well. Jalen Brunson, Darius Garland. They're two different games, but they're both very dominant in their own aspect. Mm-hmm. You have Donovan Mitchell, RJ Barrett, you know, Donovan Mitchell takes that aspect. Yeah. The big men, you look at Evan Mobley, but then you have Julius Randle, who's been bowling out this year. And if you have a healthy Mitchell Robinson and a healthy Jared Allen, both two athletic bigs, shot blocking bigs who impact the way the game in the same way, mm-hmm. kind of just cancel each other out. So that, that's going to be a great series. It's, it's going to come down further just to skill. Like It's going to be coaching. It's going to be strategy. Like That's going to be a very tough series. One last thing about the Knicks, Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson both have the potential to be All-NBA this year. Yeah. I see Randle definitely getting a third third team nod. It's going to be tough for Brunson just because we listed all the amazing guards in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, first team, you know, you can give that to De'Aaron Fox maybe. You can give that to Steph, Dame. Mm-hmm. Shea Gilgis Alexander. He still might get it, honestly, because Memphis is still up there in the Western Conference. Yeah. But uh, you know, Jalen Brunson, that that fifty, damn near fifty point game, that's gonna be a big, a big differentiator between all the other guys. So it might be two Knicks on All NBA team. When's the yeah. last time you could really say that? I, I can't 
can't even can't even remember. Exactly, but that Knicks Cavs series is going to be a great one. Yeah. Um, a team that will be in the playoffs for sure for the first time in over sixteen years. That is the Sacramento Light Kings. The beam. Like the beam. That's been their mantra all year long, and they've been doing it and doing it well. You know, Sacramento leading the NBA in scoring at one twenty one points, oh, and. This sort of has been a sudden turnaround. Obviously, you know, they've been building De'Aaron Fox, one of my favorite guards out of Kentucky. He's mm-hmm. been just a blur in terms of his on-court ability to get to the rim. Teaming up with Monk, that Kentucky, Mo- that Kentucky connection. Malik Monk as well, and then Keegan Murray, who I picked early on as my rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. Probably won't happen now just because Paolo and uh, Jalen Williams from Oklahoma City has been stellar, but nonetheless, Keegan Murray is going to be a great NBA player. Didn't he just break a rookie record for the most three-point field goals made in a season for a rookie? I I saw that. I think it might have been for the Kings, but you might be it might be an entire NBA record yeah. too. So great Either stuff way, for him. Very impressive. Very impressive. Keegan Murray has been very impressive for the Kings as a whole. Forty-seven and thirty right now, third place comfortably in the Western Conference mm-hmm. from a team that has been in the basement of the West for so long. You know, you talk about the the DeMarcus Cousins era um, during that stretch. Um, you talk about just a lot of rebuilds, a lot of retooling, getting top picks, but never really panning out to now. They're a team that is a legitimate threat to make it at least to the second round. In my eyes, a lot of people are saying that, you know, the Kings are that team that can be knocked off in an early series. A lot of teams, like the Lakers, are saying, well, we'll take the Kings. And, you know, I'm not sure why that is. You look at their offensive game, obviously leading the league in scoring as a team. Collectively, they have so many different pieces offensively. I didn't even mention DeMontis Sabonis, who's an all-star, mm-hmm. could potentially be an all-NBA guy just because of what he has done for the Kings organization this year. So what it really comes down to, their defense. They're a bottom-third team defensively right now and in the playoffs as you know the game slows down there's not going to be as many fast break opportunities that the kings love to convert on and it's going to be a slower game to the point where defense is going to matter in the playoff series and if the playoffs ended today it would be a matchup against the warriors who are defending champions granted they haven't been amazing and the kings will have home court advantage which means a lot when you talk about the Golden State Warriors, who have struggled mightily against teams on the road. So, and again, it might be the Lakers, it, it might be Pelicans, who knows who gets that sixth seed, Clippers even. But, Stephen, why do you think that the Kings have been basically disrespected by other teams in the West, saying that we want to play the Kings? Yeah, I feel, I feel it comes down to experience in the playoffs, and I feel like we've seen that a number of times. Flashback to last year, we had the Chicago Bulls, who were on a tear at the beginning of the season. They finished the sixth seed, went against a very experienced Bucks team, and a lot of the, um, a lot of the reason the Bulls just disappeared in that playoff series was because of experience. The only guy with real playoff experience was Demar Derozan. Uh-huh. Vujovic, seeing a couple of playoff series, got bumped early, but you know playoff experience matters a lot, and for a team like the Kings, a lot of those guys haven't seen the playoffs at all. And they're yeah. very young. So when you're playing against a team like Golden State, where, yeah, they're not doing the best, but the playoffs, everyone always says it, it's a different breed. Like, it, it breeds the best players. Like, you have people who don't try in the regular season because they know they're going to make the playoffs, and they turn up in the playoffs. So when you see a team like the Kings, you kind of just take it for granted, which can help but hurt you. Because you have a guy like DeMontis Sabonis. He is one of the most impactful big men in the NBA. No doubt. And he, he's, he doesn't get the media coverage that he deserves, but it, he's respected. Thus, the reason he made an all-star team this year. And I'm pretty sure he made it last year, too. Uh-huh. Switching teams, and he's still just dominating. I feel like you can't sleep on the Kings, but for a team with a lot of experience, like the Warriors, like the Lakers, like if they would want to see any of these teams, it would be the Kings. If you look at the rest of the conference, you have Memphis up there, the gritty Memphis Grizzlies, who no one wants to mess with Ja. You have Jokic uh-huh. up there. Which I also hear some talk like uh, the Nuggets are kind of sweet in a sense. Yeah. But I'd rather you know play the Kings than have to guard Jokic. Like just matchup wise, get the Clippers, the Warriors. No one wants to see the Lakers. Been they've been getting hate all season. No one wants to see LeBron and AD in a seven game series. Exactly. But you look at young guys like De'Aaron Fox who doesn't have 
I don't think any playoff no. experience. Look at Kevin Herter, who has some. He's not the most influential guy. You have Harrison Barnes, who has some. He's a champion. He's a champion. Um, but he's not like their most influential player. Like, you yeah. look at their star and big pieces. You know, you're not you're not seeing much. So, mm-hmm. and he, even going down the list, you know, Matthew Dellavedova played with LeBron in Cleveland, so he's been around a winning culture. Yeah. But outside of maybe you know Trey Lyles, um, I'm trying to I'm blanking if he played on those Jazz teams with Donovan Mitchell. Sabonis has some playoff experience, but minimal. Um, Very minimal, yeah. Thirteen playoff games, but Fox none. Um, you know, Malik Monk. Um, as far as I'm concerned, none. Yeah, um, so. And then you know, a lot of these guys. This is a brand new frontier yeah. for the Kings as a whole, and just for their fan base, right? You know, sixteen years, like half of their, a lot of fans, like might not have even been born yet. So <laughs> you have to take that and take consideration. But their fan base is hungry for playoff success, mm-hmm. and the Western Conference is wide open. Yeah. There's not one team like the Golden State Warriors of old, not the San Antonio teams, you know. Lakers when they were at the top, it's wide open. Anybody in the playoffs can legitimately contend for a championship, one through eight. One through eight, for sure. and you know a lot of people might say, "Oh, like look at seven, the the Lakers, they can they can do a lot of damage as they are currently constructed." And I guess we can just move on to the Lakers topic that we're going to talk about. You know, Lakers right now thirty nine, thirty eight. Um. Barely above 500, but they are above 500. It's their first time being above 500 um, since uh, February of 2022. It's been over a year. Yep. A lot of that has to do with poor roster construction at times, um, injuries to either LeBron or AD or both. But now, you know, they have a squad that is reminiscent of that 2020 title team. Mm -hmm. A lot of guys that can shoot the ball, which has been something that the Lakers have lacked um, in the past year, year and a half. Even two years, they have guys that can defend at a high level. And then, obviously, the keys, LeBron and Anthony Davis being healthy at this point. You know, for Anthony Davis, he's been injury-prone. We all understand that. But when he's playing, he's one of the best players in the game. I'll continue to preach that because night in and night out, Anthony Davis shows that he should be considered as a top three player as it comes to big men in the NBA. I, I agree with that for sure. And speaking on them fixing all their, like, I, like, in the beginning of the season, they were lacking in so many aspects. They were the worst three-point shooting team. And it was the worst percentage in, like, NBA history. One of the worst percentages in NBA history. Like, it was bad. And after they made the changes, and they were very drastic, abrupt changes. Like, they mm-hmm. switched up their whole roster. But really, it was for the But you have guys like Jared Vanderbilt, who... He's self-proclaimed the best defender in the NBA. One of the best defenders, but it definitely. Shows, it, it shows like the impact that he has in the game. He's not putting up a lot of stuff on the box score, but if you were to sit there and watch a Lakers game, his impact is ridiculous. To people like D'Angelo Russell, who is coming in hitting five, six, three sometimes, is giving them a spark right mm-hmm. away. And you have Anthony Davis, who has been getting a lot of hate, and he's been in a lot of um, post-conferences saying that he hears the hate, and it's fueling him. And you see in a game like last night where... He went down with an injury briefly, got back up, and he had a, a, over 30-plus points, over 15-plus rebounds. Just had a great game to secure a big win for them as they're fighting. The fact that he got up was crazy. <laughs> like, so crazy. He, he doesn't usually get up he from injuries. Up. And I think he, this happened, I forget what game, but it's been recently he got hurt, but he came back. So yeah. I think sort of that mentality of like every game matters for the mm-hmm. Lakers at this point. And the perception of Anthony Davis always being injured. You know, Charles Barkley calling him street clothes, which isn't isn't false because he's been hurt a lot of his career. But when he is playing, he's a beast. Averaging on the season 26 points, 13 rebounds, two blocks, a steal, nearly 57% from the field. That's all NBA um, MVP-type numbers. Kevin Garnett, the Hall of Famer, he says that Anthony Davis should have won an MVP. And, you know, he has the potential to an MVP. Let me say that. I don't want to mix up words. And that is entirely true. He just needs to be healthy enough for a season where the Lakers can be a top seed. And, you know, from there, it's just a matter of who else is in that conversation. You know, Giannis always will be in the conversation. Jokic, Embiid, Tatum will be up there as well. Luka, there's a bunch of guys. The NBA is so talent-rich, one of the most talent-rich periods of NBA history, mm-hmm. bar none. We talk about the skill level at all positions in both conferences. 
But right now, it's Anthony Davis's world when he's healthy and when he's playing. Yeah, it is. And when I feel with for Anthony Davis, whatever has fueled him to to not even just put up the numbers, but to just try his best to always be on the court. Um, he needs to he needs to just keep that fire, and not only this season, but for every season to come. He just needs to. He's such a great player, and he's like so fun to watch. And yeah. So impactful on the game. So when you have someone like that who is constantly injured, and it just it just really brings the morale of the team down. Like LeBron, uh, when he got on the Lakers, he wanted AD for a reason. And when AD first got on that Lakers team, they won a championship. Yep. AD so influential on, on that. LeBron is 37, 38 years old now. Like. You know, he can only do so much. And mm-hmm. with that help that AD brings, like, they're scary. That's a championship team. It is. Anthony Davis still in his prime right now. Yeah. In the 30, I believe, 30, 31. So he's still in that prime um, age range. Uh, we mentioned the championship conversation, at least in the West. Who's going to win the West? I said it was going to be a wide-open race. Mm-hmm. Nuggets are at number one. Grizzlies, number two. Kings, three. Suns, four. Five is Clippers, six Warriors, seven Lakers, eight Pelicans, and I guess for playing implications, nine Timberwolves, ten Oklahoma City. You know, I look at that number four spot, the Phoenix Suns. They haven't had Kevin Durant for most of this season. I think five games in total. He's been great as usual besides the first game he came back, but last night or the night before, I'm blanking, but he had 30, Mm -hmm. you know, in typical Kevin Durant fashion. He's one of the best players on the planet. You know, when I think of Phoenix, you think of Kevin Durant. But you also think of Devin Booker. And Devin Booker, I'm a, I'm a Jalen Brown fan. I'm a Celtics fan, so let's get that out the way. Okay. But when you talk about best shooting guards in the NBA, it's tough, man. It, it's really tough between – and we can get into this, but – Devin Booker, whenever I watch him play, because, you know, here on the East Coast, they don't play until, like, either 10, 10, 30, yeah. 11 at some night. So it's sort of hard to say watch the whole game. But if I watch a half, Devin Booker's having, like, 20, 25 and mm-hmm. a half efficiently. And even before Kevin Durant got there, which made the spacing an entirely different animal, Devin Booker is so smooth off the dribble. His ability to play off DeAndre Ayton. Skill. Like, he is – the way he gets to his spots – it's just like if you were to, if you're a real basketball fan and you study basketball not just to watch but to get better, like he's someone that you should go and watch because Absolutely. he doesn't force the game. Like it comes to him so naturally. Mid range, contested pull ups, midi pulls, post fades, bump fades, like everything that he's doing is so pure. Like it's pure it's basketball at its purest form. And that's credit to C P but even his work ethic, like Devin Booker puts in a lot of work and Although he's not a fan favorite, people call him soft. and um, Which I don't get, by the way. I don't, I don't, get, I don't I, get why they call I him soft. I think they do that because Luka Doncic and the beef that he has, and Luka being such a fan favorite, they think that Devin Booker is petty. And when Devin Booker was talking all that smack and Luka bounced him out and dropped him off at like 50, 60 that game, it just made Devin Booker look like a clown. But you cannot take away from... But that's not Devin Booker. That's, that's just the Suns. Oh, yeah, just, just the Suns. Yeah, that's, that's just the Suns. But it was just, just Luka and, and Devin Booker were going at it that series. So for him to just get smacked like that, you know? But I feel... I just You can't let that discredit the skill that Devin Booker has. But in my opinion, this year... As I said earlier, I consider Luka a shooting guard. But we'll, I'll keep that out for this conversation. Because some people just consider him a point guard. So we'll keep that out. I think... Donovan Mitchell has a very strong case for being the best shooting guard right now. Okay. We, we don't even have to look at the 71-point game, which is so impressive. Shout out him and shout out Dame. But his percentages this year and his impact for the Cavaliers as an organization, like he he's just he was just getting hate on Utah, saying that he was the like he was the cancer of the room. Like no one could play with him. He like he, he they called him a ball hog. He didn't want to pass. He was getting he was getting like. He was getting a lot of scrutiny for the way he played, and you plug him in in the Cavaliers team, they're the fourth seed. They're doing great right now, and I just I just feel like his impact on the court as a shooting guard it might be one of the biggest impacts in the NBA right now. Understandable, and I I'm not gonna disagree necessarily because I love Donovan Mitchell what he's done for the Cleveland Cavaliers team. Offensively last year they struggled mightily, especially in postseason time. Well, prior to postseason time and the play-in specifically, but 
you know, Devin Booker, I'm just going to give you his stats right now. 28 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists on 49% from the field, 36 from 3, 85 from the free throw line. Devin Booker last year, he was all-NBA first team. Obviously, because Phoenix was far and away the best team in the regular season. He'll probably still be all-NBA one first or second team. I think that's fair to say. Mm-hmm. And you look at the landscape of the NBA as it comes to shooting guards right now. Obviously, Booker's up there. Mitchell's up there. Jalen Brown is up there. Oh boy. My guy, Jalen Brown. You know, when you talk about the two-way aspect of Jalen Brown, I think that's where he sort of separates himself in my eyes in terms of Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker. Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker, you pause on the Kevin Durant coming over. Um, they are number ones on their team. They're the number one options. For Jalen Brown, he's the number two guy. Mm-hmm. And when you look at his stats right now, he's averaging around 27 points per game. He's putting up number one numbers as the second guy for the Boston Celtics. Defense is always top tier. Should be an all-NBA defensive selection. Jalen Brown should be. And uh, Booker, that's not going to happen. No. He can play defense, but he's not a stout athletic defender like Jalen Brown is. Donovan Mitchell, he's just 6'1", 6'2". You can only do so much. Although his wingspan, he'll get the steals every now and again and some highlight blocks. But he's not doing what Jalen Brown is doing. So I think Jalen Brown is the best shooting guard in the NBA. Well, that's a bold take right there. I, I, I truly believe it because you watch him from night in, night out. I, I tend to catch a lot of Celtics games. And the way he can play off the ball, the way he can be on the ball as a primary shot creator, he's a guy that so easily, too, he can get to his spots. Just how we talk about Booker can get to his spots. Jalen Brown as well. Jalen Brown also has more athleticism than Devin Booker, and that helps a lot in terms of his finishing ability at the rim. He's a high flyer. He's a guy that can dunk on someone, give them poster time and time again. And his shooting has steadily improved. Now he's the guy, if he's open from three-point range, he's knocking it down, which was not yeah, the case yeah. at all entering the NBA. Mid-range is pure. He gets to his between-the-legs crossover, hang, dribble, pull-up. He has that in his bag. You know, what can he do on the offensive end and defensively as well? He's a monster. Jalen Brown's the best shooting guard in the NBA. I messed with that take. I will say there is one guy that has been injured the last two seasons, missed a lot of games, but we cannot sleep on him because before he injured, he was putting up 30 points in back-to-back seasons. Bradley, Bradley Beal. Beal. Bradley yeah. Beal is one of the toughest. He, he is one of the toughest point guards in the NBA. Shooting guards in the NBA. One of the toughest. If you look at his game and compare it to, to someone like Devin Booker, Bradley Beal is so... He's 6'4". I think Devin Booker is around 6'5". Yep. He is so efficient at scoring the basketball. Like He's so efficient at scoring the basketball. And he makes a Wizards team that literally... Sometimes looks like they have nothing and they're a mess. And when he's healthy, he makes them relevant. And you can't say that about a lot of players mm-hmm. at all. Devin Booker had a hard time making the Suns relevant before CP got on that team. Uh, we haven't. Seen, I think Jay, I personally think Jalen Brown can go to a team and be the man. I feel like he can make. Yes, a he, yes, he can. I'm not. I'm not wishing that though. He, he needs to stay with yeah, the Celtics, but on him. But I feel like yes, as of right now, Bradley Beal, because of injuries, isn't in that top shooting guard conversation. But that's just not something you can sleep on at all. Because when he comes back, he he comes back fast. Like he is a bucket for sure. You know, Bradley Beal doesn't really scare me the way that certain shooting guards do. Like I understand, like yes, he can play. I, I've watched him for a very long time with the, when he's with the Wizards. Um, when I was in DC, I went to a Wizards game, so I've seen him live, and he's definitely a, a great talent. But I'm not sure that now, obviously the 30-point season, I'm not going to knock him, but now he doesn't really feel like he can be that number one guy. He feels like he's reverted to like that number two, number three guy. Because we mentioned before, talking about number one, number two. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell is the number one. He's been proven to be a top player, a top guard in the league. He can be an all-NBA caliber guard. Mm-hmm. He can be a guy that can lead his team in the playoffs. Devin Booker, he went to the championship round as the best player on his team. Jalen Brown as a number two guy, and in some cases he can be the number one depending on the night. He went to the NBA Finals. He lost, unfortunately, but yes, he went to the NBA Finals. Bradley Beal, and maybe you would say it's because of the team, but at some point, man, 
you have to be that guy to just take over and Bradley Beal, he has his moments, but watching him night in and night out, I'm sure a lot of Wizard fans can agree with me when he sort of disappears in certain moments. Yeah, he does, he does, especially uh, it's because of injuries, but in the last two seasons, in a, in a time where the Wizards were bringing pieces like Porzingis and Kuzma to try to try to win, you would expect the Wizards to have a little bit more noise around their name, but kind of just fell in the rebuilding status, so... The shooting guard position, we have a lot. We have three young guys right now who are just arguably, you know, can either take that, like anyone could take that top slot right now. So you give it to Jalen Brown. I have to, I have to, right now I have to give it to probably um, this season, most influential, Donovan, uh, Donovan Mitchell, for me at least, has been like the most influential on his team. But I do see the case where if you put Jalen Brown in that number one position, where mm-hmm. he's the Number one option on the team. He's an MVP candidate. He'll be an MVP candidate for sure. Easily. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Zach Levine. He's just not in a situation where he can really be at that top level. I think he's probably at best a number two on a great championship team, in my opinion. Maybe have a star big and have Levine as a number two guy. The thing about Zach, his mindset towards basketball is very selfish. Okay. I've watched him play a lot of games this year. And I also watched a lot of post-conferences, post-press conferences with his teammates. And he doesn't look to pass the ball. Like, mm. if, if, if we're in a late-game situation, like, he doesn't look – he has a lot of great talent on that team. You have DeMar DeRozan, who's pound for pound one of the best uh, people at his position to play the game in the course of history. And Zach Levine is just like, give me the ball and get out of the way. Like, he says that all the time. Now, is that just because, like, he, he doesn't believe in his teammates? Or is just he's he's that good offensively? Which I think is the case. He's He can do it all offensively. Yeah, but we're, we're, we're talking about a, an, an NBA game where he has talent on his team that can help him win. Like, the Chicago Bulls could be doing a lot better this year if he were to just... His percentages this year are at a, at a season... When you compare it to... It's at his career low right now. Mm-hmm. Um, He just... I think he needs to just fix his mindset when it comes towards the game because basketball isn't about, like, you can have all the skill in the world, but if you're forcing it, you're you're not going to look as good as you are. Like, you have to be able to trust your teammate and trust that you're going to see that peel back. And he has guys like Vujovic, who we saw on Orlando Magic team when he was the number one option. He was putting up 26 and 16. Yeah. And we have DeMar DeRozan, who, yes, he's a lot older now, but he's still a threat. He's uh. I think it was this season. He he began. He started the season and he hit like two crazy game winners and he dropped like forty back to back points, like, um, forty back back to back games. And I just feel like Zach Levine can be so much better if he were to put a little bit of trust into the guys around him, take a little bit of the focus off of him, and then just be efficient in other ways. I I haven't watched um a Bulls game yeah. as far as I'm concerned. I'm trying to think back, but um, you know. Like you said, he has a talent, and I, I believe you when he says sometimes he might not pass as much. Honorable mention as well, CJ McCollum, yeah. one of my favorite guards to watch as well. It's one of the deepest bags. In deepest game. bags. He can get to anywhere on the floor. Mid-range pull-up mm-hmm. is pure. Three ball is pure. Although now he's playing more of a point guard role with New Orleans, but the fact remains, he's a shooting guard, and he's one of my favorite shooting guards to watch. No, he's definitely, definitely a great basketball player. Right there. Anthony Edwards too. Just want to put that oh, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. He, he's on the rise. Young he, stud right there. I I was a firm believer that he would take that next step. Usually, for people that aren't aware, you know, a lot of guards, a lot of great all-time players. That third-year leap—that's a real thing. LeBron has had it. Carmelo, KD, Kobe, Jordan. The list goes on and on. It was just like once that third year happens, they just explode mm-hmm. offensively, defensively. Anthony Edwards sort of plateaued a little bit from this year to last year, but I, I still have full utmost confidence in him. He'll take that next step eventually, and he'll be a guy that's averaging damn near 27, 28. Because he has all the tools, right? All the yeah. tools that build. You know, he's a, a football linebacker type of frame in a bouncy six four, six five shooting guard body, so... And you put in the work that he's been putting in. You see the jump shot has been improving year in and year out to now. He's a respectable three-point shooter. He has the athleticism. He has the ability to get to the rim, finish either hand. Becoming more of a playmaker now, which wasn't the case out of Georgia. He's become a real good playmaker. Has pick-and-roll chemistry with Gobert. He developed early on in the season with Cat as well. So put all that together in. He's going to be in that mix for top shooting guard sooner than later. 100%. And my last honorable mention, second-year guy. I really like I really messed with Josh Giddy. 
I really mm. messed with Josh Giddy, and okay. I feel like his simplicity and how he makes the game look, I feel like give him a couple of years. He's averaging 16, 8, and 6 right now as a second-year guy, which is so impressive. Yeah. And he has nothing but room to grow. So I think we could see a great basketball player in Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy is one of my guys that he can be – an all-star, he might have been a perennial all-star, but I think, like, he can, like, sneak in there one or two years just because he's such a great playmaker. Yeah. And that goes really underrated. He and plays w- the game right. He plays the game right. Oklahoma City is on the rise. Right now, they're the 10th seed. They shouldn't have even been the playoff push, to be honest. Most play- most people, analysts, were saying, you know, they're going to be in that Victor Wembanyama race yeah. to try and get the number one seed. But credit to them. For, credit to Shea Gillis Alexander. Credit to both Jalen Williams. Um, the I'm trying to think of who else. Darius Baisley, Isaiah Joe, that whole squad on Oklahoma City. I've caught a game or two, and when the, it's a fun, it's a fun atmosphere. Yeah, it is. Um, watching them play, and Chet Holmgren has even been there, so that's a whole new element. And he might, they said, if they, if they make it into the play in he might, he might make his debut, and that could be scary for any team. Yeah, you, it's, it's hard to game plan against a player you've never seen touch an NBA court. And yeah, if he's as Dom, he doesn't even have to be the most. He could give you fourteen and ten, and that fourteen and ten could be the difference to why they just won that game. Absolutely, so. plus the shot blocking ability as yeah. well. Um, Oklahoma City, very scary team to look out for. Mm-hmm. If you, we can probably do a projection of the futures, um, future teams, the future top teams in the NBA at some point. But Oklahoma City will definitely be yeah. near the tops mm-hmm. of that list. I want to bring up one more thing for this episode. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Do you think he's the best player in the NBA? Right now? Ugh. I think he is. Right now, I'd, I'd give it to him. I give it to Giannis. I think he is. Just his impact on both sides of the floor. Yeah. He is a, a freak. He's called the Greek freak for a reason. Yeah. Averaging 31 points per game, 12 rebounds, 6 mm-hmm. assists on 55% shooting. He became so great that he has that LeBron effect. You exactly. Know, people are devaluing his skill. You cannot look tight. This guy is a generational talent. Very underrated at times. And in that, um, Drew Holiday, when he had 51 points, Giannis, he had, uh, I'm butchering the numbers, like 36, 16, and mm-hmm. like 12 assists. Like something ridiculous. And people didn't really talk about that. Cause that's sort of routine now for him, like putting up these type of triple-double yeah. stat, stat lines. Excuse me. um, You know, champion, MVP two times over, defensive player of the year, all-NBA. Just an amazing career that is continuing to go. Giannis only... 28 right now so just entering his prime and people are sort of separating him from the rest of the pack obviously Embiid, Jokic, guys like that and one name that I want to bring up Jason Tatum on the KJM radio show Keyshawn, J. Will, Max Kellerman on ESPN they had a conversation about whether Tatum and Giannis were in the same tier of players. And there were some great arguments, some great points for why there's a separation. Giannis in a class of his own, you know, that's fair to say, but they talk about the top five, six, seven players. I feel like Tatum and Giannis, they aren't too far apart. I feel like. I agree with that. And te- I'm a Celtics fan. Let me put that out there. Maybe that bias is, is seeping in there. Definitely might be a little bit of bias. However, in terms of impact on the game and, and, and bringing their team wins, I don't feel like it's the biggest a gap between them. What, what widens this gap? I feel like accolades in the NBA are something that is very important, in my opinion, especially when we're talking about championships. Mm-hmm. Giannis... Um, he's still very young, as is Tatum. Giannis has that championship, and you know both of them have a chance to come back, you know, and win it again this year. Giannis has those two MVPs. Jason Tatum, he hasn't got. I think the accolades. Giannis, two-time Defensive Player of the Year. He's doing it on both ends. I really feel like I can't. I don't ever see Jason Tatum winning that Defensive Player of the Year award. Giannis might win two more. Yeah. So Giannis is those accolades. He's a two-way player. They're both very dominant, but. Offensively, yes, Giannis has that dominance on that defensive end that Tatum doesn't necessarily have. So I feel like in that aspect, like when when we look at the accolades and just 
them being like their play style as a whole, I think Giannis kind of does separate himself. Um, I think that's like comparing like Miami Heat, LeBron in his prime, because we're talking about prime Jason Tatum, prime Giannis, prime LeBron and prime Giannis. They might be in like the same category in terms of like um, effectiveness on the court. LeBron mm-hmm. was almost a defense player of the year as well. He was so dominant and on all ends. Jason Tatum, he needs to, if he wants to be, he needs to get his accolades up, but he needs to also be, just become a little more dominant on both ends of the floor, in my opinion. When it comes to Giannis, obviously he's a champion. I think that's very much so one of the key reasons why a lot of people sort of make the separation of like Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Steph Curry, um, who else? Giannis, Dorman there as well. These are champions. Kawhi Leonard as well. Yeah. Um, and then there's the I don't want to say the new group, but I'm like Giannis isn't 28, but like Tatum's 25. He went to a finals. He lost. Booker, we talked about before. He went to a final. He lost. Um, just these type of in their prime, just about guys mm-hmm. who are all stars, all NBA caliber guys. Tatum will probably be first or second team All NBA. Probably more likely first all team, um, first team All NBA, and for good reason. Thirty points, nine boards, five assists. Um, shooting. When you talk about three point shooting off the of dribble. Tatum hasn't been as effective recently. It's sort of been a slouch, um, a down stretch, if you will. And the Celtics have a whole, as a whole, down stretch yeah. as well. They started out amazingly. I made a prediction that they were going to have 60-plus wins. M- MVP season for Tatum, not happening. But Jason Tatum, I think he should be in that mix of, like, top five players, but I think the differentiator, like you said, MVP LeBron and MVP Giannis, that sort of prime aspect, mm-hmm. I, I realistically can't say that Jason Tatum is there quite yet just because he hasn't done it yet. He hasn't won. Yeah. And you're talking about generational-type players. Jason Tatum, one of the best players in his generation, but generational mean like that top guy. That like If you think of an era, you think of Jordan in the, in the 90s and 80s, late 80s, 90s. Kobe in the two thousands, Braun for damn near two thousands, tens and twenties. Um, Giannis is now the face of the twenties too. I think, I think what makes Giannis so special, and this makes it hard to compare Jason Tatum to him right now, is Giannis has done something LeBron has never done, and LeBron's been in the NBA for almost going on twenty years now, if it hasn't already been twenty. Um, he has those two defensive players of the year. Does LeBron has openly said like that he wanted that? He should have won it that, that marked us all year. Yes, he definitely should have. Think twenty thirteen. Giannis did it twice, and what separates LeBron and Giannis right now? Besides, yeah, LeBron is the all time scoring leader. Giannis is so young, and he's breaking so many records right now. He's looking great, and also Giannis, like LeBron, won those four championships. Giannis has the potential to win four or five. Mm-hmm. Like Giannis has the like right now we're kind of downplaying his career, like, okay, he's done so much at such a fast time, like, he can't get any better. Like, there's still so much this man can do, you know? And we're, we're, just, we're witnessing it live. We can't take advantage of the beauty that Giannis brings to the game. That's correct. Giannis actually has one defensive player of the year. Oh, he doesn't have two? Yeah. Winner in 2020, runner-up in oh, 2019. Okay. That's probably what you're okay. thinking of. But, you know, he easily could have two. So, yeah. I'm not... Even that one is just, it's impressive. Very impressive. He probably went a few more in his career, to be quite honest. That's just the the scale of his defensive impact. It goes far beyond just the box score. The impact on the court, night in and night out, it is incredible. And obviously, you think of some of the defensive plays that he made in that championship run against Phoenix a year ago, maybe two years ago. <laughs> but, man, Giannis is great. Tatum is great. It's been great talking to you, Stephen, about this NBA season as it's coming down to a close in the playoffs. It was great having you here. You want to shout Appreciate out any it. any socials, any any um, stuff you're working on on YouTube, maybe? Well, first, I just want to thank you for, for inviting me to the podcast. Yeah, um, man. When you told me about it, I was actually excited. I love talking basketball. and to, I've known you. You were one of the first people I met here. So to see you doing great things and just and it kind of inspires me and wants me to, it makes me want to do things as well. So. Appreciate it, man. Um. Shout out anything. Um, Instagram, JRSteven27. I'm working on um, YouTube right now. I wanna. I love playing the game of basketball. Been playing it all my life. And, He's uh, nice. <laughs> appreciate it, bro. And um, 
I want to start like a wave um on YouTube, something different. I want to take advantage of me being at a school so glorious as Syracuse University is, and we have a great hoop scene here. And I want I want people to not only me, but I want people to get exposure here, and I want to use my platform, whatever I could do, to help other people grow in the game that they love as well. You know, so. Just YouTube, Jr. Steven, if you could subscribe to that, show love, I would appreciate that, because I'm trying to start a wave, and I would need all the support I could get. Going to start a wave on YouTube. Steven, thank you so much for joining. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the From Downtown Podcast. Please make sure to like, rate, share with family and friends. It was a good episode. Um, I, I firmly believe that Jalen Brown is the best shooting guard in the NBA, although Devin Booker is right there. Donovan Mitchell, too. That was a key takeaway for me in that conversation. I just feel like, you know, thinking it over in the moment, I was definitely debating whether I would say Devin Booker, you know, we've seen the amazing stuff that he can do offensively, you know, a 70-point game at such a young age, and he's just a smooth operator. Smooth operator, Devin Booker is, at all facets of the game. Jalen Brown, he can do it as well on the offensive end. Defensively, he also can lock up the best player on the opposing team. Got a little showtime in him, some poster dunks we've seen throughout his career. I'm taking Jalen Brown. Maybe that's just because I'm that Celtics fan <laughs> that everybody else wants to hate on. But, you know, I'm going to say it, man. Jalen Brown, best shooting guard in the NBA. But great conversation overall. Again, apologies for the audio if it was hard to hear. So even next time we have him on, we'll probably have him on again soon just so, you know, we can actually hear him at the same rate that you heard me, the same level that you heard me. But it was a great conversation. I'm happy. Hope you guys enjoyed. Until next time, y'all, take care.